Hi, this is Ben Lola, back to the Bible Canada. Today, Dr. Newfeld will be sitting down with Isaac Dagno of Endowed to discuss engaging the next generation. I know this is an issue close to many of our hearts as we continue our series, Christmas Conversations. Now let's join Dr. Newfeld. Hi, it's Dr. John Newfeld here with Back to the Bible Canada, and we are enjoying this week having a number of Christmas conversations with pastors and other Christian leaders who are giving us a different perspective on the meaning of Christmas. You know, what a delight it is today uh, to be with Isaac Dagnow. Isaac, welcome to the studio. Thank you. Just a joy to have you on Back to the Bible. And really, we're not strangers to each other because we work with each other every That's day. That's right. That's right. Um, Isaac, if you don't know who Isaac is, um, Isaac gives leadership to something we call In Doubt, which is a mobile app that allows young people to interact with various Christian conversations and allows them to find strength in their own faith. And so, Isaac, you really come as an individual who is able to relate to and understand the struggles that young people are facing. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So what a joy it is to have you here. We want to talk about a number of things, but what we really want to talk about is the relationship of parents and grandparents, I guess, to their young people and, uh, and who are somehow struggling with their faith. So let me begin by asking you a number of questions. How common is it uh, for young people uh, who have been raised in a Christian home, who have been taught the Christian gospel when they get, let's say, to university or other places like that, to begin to struggle with their faith? Is that a common phenomenon or is that a rare phenomenon? It is a common phenomenon. In fact, uh, stats show from the Barna Group that 7 out of 10 teenagers, by the time they turn 18, these are kids that grew up in the Christian home. They leave the church by that time. So their parents have allowed them to, you know, they can make your own decision. They've left the, they left the church. And then one in three young adults, by the time they graduate post-secondary school, are leaving their faith. So it is a true reality in North America as a whole. Right. We, we don't always know those seven or 10 that are leaving, what the context of that is. I mean, true. they might have been trained well, or they might not have hardly been trained at all. And uh, nonetheless, it's a phenomenon, right? Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, that's um, right. So we're talking about Christmas themes. And one of the reasons why we thought that we would take this time to talk about this, uh, you know, what are the issues for, for uh, Christian young people, is because Christmas is a time when families get back together that's right. again. That's right? right. So it's just a phenomenon. You know, if, you're, if your son or your daughter is off to university, um, there they are suddenly, they're home, and maybe they're struggling with issues. Right. Um, and maybe they haven't shared that with mom or dad or with grandma and grandpa before. That's right. Well, a lot of the time it actually happens over social media. Let's say you have a niece or a nephew who is 20 years old or off in college, and now they're starting to post things that you're like, oh, like this doesn't look right to me. This seems like they are sort of straying away from the faith. So when Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, those few times a year when you all get together, you feel like, oh, I need to say something or do something. I want to find out what is going on with my niece, nephew, Uh, kid, my grandchild, who I barely get to see, but seems like they are sort of leaving the faith. Yeah. See, this is such a phenomenon. It's so important to talk about it. Before we talk about what parents and loved ones should say, let's talk about what are the kind of issues that young people uh, struggle with. I mean, where are the sticking points? Are they points of doctrine? Are they points of lifestyle? What are the things that uh, Christian youth find so difficult and uh, so challenging as they interact with our culture. You know, it's really interesting in reading this book called You Lost Me by David Kinnaman. He's the president of the Barna Group. He says that 
if this is for America, which there are definitely uh, resemblances up in Canada, he says American teenagers are some of the most religiously active people in America. And then American 20-somethings are the least religiously active. So there's something happening between this bridge of engaging in a youth group and then also engaging in a Christian church, let's say, in your 20s. And I believe that every young adult has to go through issues of their identity, issues of their faith, and issues of their relationships. It's just a reality for every young adult. But the culture that young adults have to do that in today is significantly different than any other culture before. We are not only living in a technological savvy kind of world where everything is coming at your fingertips. You have the world's knowledge at your fingertips. It's so me-centered. Everything's focused on yourself. Uh, Universities and colleges and schools and work, everything is pretty much elevating self over all. And it it disguises itself in a culture that's tolerant, that's inclusive, and kind of has this idea of unity. It's it's a self-centeredness that's disguising itself in this sort of unity way, and that's what's so difficult. Well, let's talk about that, because when we think about reasons why people might reject or leave their faith, I mean, we can kind of categorize that, right? I mean, we could say there are those who have intellectual problems with faith. Um, Then there are those that have, you know, lifestyle issues. The faith demands something of me. Maybe that requires a cost. I don't want to pay that cost. And then we have those kind of things where the the culture, the wider culture, is so at odds with the Christian faith. So I think that's what you're talking about now. You're saying that the me-centeredness, putting I as first, uh, I think the words that sometimes get used are authenticity, Um, Those kind of words supplant the faith. So help us understand, Isaac, how does that actually work? What are the aspects of the me culture that militates so strongly against my faith? Let's just take an example. Take average Joe, young adult, right? So he grew up in the Christian home. He was very active in his in his youth group. Uh, and then he goes off to college. Now, uh, let's say he didn't have too many strong mentors in his youth group and in his church. He didn't have too many strong mentors. His parents have sort of told him, like, they know that he's a Christian and they know uh, that they can, they trust in him. So he goes off in college and his roommate's a very strong, intelligent agnostic, okay? They start talking. This agnostic friend starts asking him questions about his faith And he doesn't know what to say. He hasn't been uh, trained apologetically. He hasn't been trained in uh, strong biblical doctrine. He he doesn't feel like he can uh, properly defend what he actually believes. And then he has the multitude of professors. He has the multitude of clubs and just a whole new set of friends that are challenging him in his sort of traditional religious beliefs. And then say he meets a girl who's, let's say, an ex-Catholic or something like that, who tells him that, you know, all religion is kind of the same. Truth is relative. It's all okay. I've left. It feels good. And now you have him. His identity is changed now because he doesn't really know who he is. His identity isn't in his youth group anymore. It's not in his family. He doesn't even live in the same city, let's say, anymore. His relationships are being challenged as well. He's got these new relationships. They're testing him. He wants to be able to trust these new people and his professors, yet they have totally different worldviews than that of his pastor and his parents. And then you look at his faith, and I mean, where does he go to search his faith? Well, he doesn't go back to his pastor. He goes onto the internet, of course, right. where he sees a list and just tons of uh, uh, articles and blogs that can prove the thing that this agnostic friend is talking about. Right, right. These are the struggles that they go through. Well, you know, because we're going to talk about what to do when, uh, when son or daughter has these kind of questions, maybe we should back it up just a bit and say, are there things that, that 
parents, uh, even the church, should be doing to prepare young men and women before they you know, transition out to a university environment? What are the necessary tools? Uh, what are the things that we ought to be training people to know uh, before they go out to that setting? I, I believe in our culture, it's you see so many youth groups that are big on just let's all have a good time. Let's all have a good time. And we've sort of lost this, this idea that we actually need to make disciples. We've kind of turned disciple making into be friends with everyone and tell them that Jesus loves them. Good things, but there has to be more than that. Our young adults are going into uh, colleges, universities, even just workplaces where there are these smart people because of the internet that will just destroy them when it comes to their defense of the faith. And so it's important that youth pastors and young adult leaders and pastors know where the culture of young adults are, and that's in a me-centered place. It's in a me-centered worldview. How many young people know some of the great doctrines of the Christian church well? I mean, are churches as a whole training kids to know, you know, what is the doctrine of the incarnation? I mean, what, you know, how important are miracles to the Christian faith? What is the Trinity? What do we believe about when we talk about justification by faith? What is the new life of Christ? What's all that look like? Is that kind of stuff missing? It is. It definitely is. You go to a youth group. I've been to a lot of youth groups and you get the youth pastors, they'll say a truth of the Bible, something sort of simple because they don't want to scare away or use Christianese language. They make it so simple in a way that it, it misses the deep and mysterious truths of the true gospel, like justification by faith, like the Trinity, and so on and so forth. And they really emphasize this fact. This is a, a place where we can include everyone and you can feel safe here. And that kind of explains the truth that teenagers are so active in their youth groups, yet the time when they leave that kind of comfortable identity and their relationships and their faith there, they go into the real world and suddenly it crumbles down because they have actual no foundation. Yeah, we're gonna talk a little bit more about what we can do when a son or a daughter or someone we love is struggling. And so join us right after the break because there's so much more to come. Did you know that in the 21st century, it's possible for millions of Canadians to live their entire lives without ever having encountered Jesus? That's happening right now across this great country of ours and will continue to do so unless we make a difference. This year, we're asking you to be part of the mission of Back to the Bible Canada to spread the truth about God and His Word to those who need to hear. As we approach our year-end and prepare for ministry in 2016, we're asking for your help to reach our year-end ministry goal of $390,000 by December 31st. Your generosity means that more people will hear the gospel story, the truth about Jesus, and be led closer in their walk with Him every day. Please join us in seeing lives changed. To make your donation, go to backtothebible.ca or call us today at 1-800-663-2425. I'm returning here with Isaac Dagno, and we're talking about issues related to the faith of our sons and our daughters. Uh, Isaac, as we were talking during the break, uh, one of the things that I think we both agreed on is that there is a kind of a response that can be very constructive when a, a son or daughter sitting around the Christmas table says, you know, I've been struggling with some stuff. 
what do you think is a bit of counsel that you can give to a, to a mom or dad or a brother or sister or a, a relative? Right. Well, I think we have to step back even a little bit before then, even if they can say that, because I think a lot of young adults are even too scared to come back that one time in the year and kind of tell their Christian parents, like, hey, I'm struggling. I think that there are a few practical things that parents and relatives and friends of young adults who have seemingly walked away, the things that they can do in that short period of time when they have with their young adult relative or friend uh, that will make an impact. And the first thing, I mean, you'd agree with me here is, is prayer. Yeah. You know, prayer is the most practical thing that you can do. We know that we believe in a God who is sovereign over all, that he is the one that saves. It's not us. And we need to pray for the salvation of souls because it's not from our own effort that we're going to be able to save them. It's through the Spirit's work. I remember actually personally when I was in uh, high school, later years of high school, I sort of went through um, some rebellious years. And uh, I grew up in a strong Christian home. And it was interesting that it was never the words of my parents to me that, uh, that changed me at all. It was their just incredible amount of words in their prayers to God that did something, you know. And when I graduated high school, the Lord met me and brought me straight home. And it was beautiful. And whenever, you know, a mom or a dad or an aunt comes up to me uh, and says, hey, look, my, my, my teenage son or daughter or niece or nephew is struggling in the faith. What should I do? I always say prayer. Wow. Prayer, prayer is it. Prayer is it. Okay. So that's, that's probably one of the first things. Yeah, I, I think we can, we can stop there for a moment and really do some encouragement here and to say, what a resource we have, you know, because yeah, we're going to talk about right. resources and, and how can we help our son or daughter who is struggling. And the greatest resource is before the throne of God. Definitely. And we need to believe that. And if we don't, that might be one of the things that we've communicated to our That's son right. or daughter. <laughs> That's right. So we need to perhaps do some of our own repentance and come to terms with our own unbelief because of our lack of, of confidence in the Lord our God who acts on our behalf. That's right. Isaac, what a great word. What else can we do? We can listen. And uh, it, it's hard for us sometimes. And even myself as a young adult, I have other young adult friends and family that have left the faith. And p- part of me just wants to look them in the face, look them in the eyes and just say, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing with your life? Like, are you crazy? And that's that's the wrong approach. But I think a lot of us have that. But we need to listen. I mean, for the first half of the program, we were kind of looking briefly into what they're going through, what young adults go through. They're going through a ton. The transitions they're going through, the cultural changes they're going through, they're either consciously or subconsciously asking the most crucial question in their life, what do I believe? Yeah. That question has massive implications on who they're going to be in their life, where they're going to go, what they're going to become. They're going through so much and we need to listen. If we go and see them this one time in the year and and say, what's going on? And like, here's all these resources and just kind of push all this stuff on them. It could totally f- freak them out. And they might think they're not listening to what I'm going through. They're going through so much. So listening for sure. Well, you know, in fact, if we stop at the listening thing for just a moment, because, look, I'm a parent. Yeah. And uh, by God's grace, my three kids know and love Christ and are following him. But I, I do know that one of the most difficult things is not to be the preacher or the lecturer or I got that one word. If I tell you this one thing, man, that's going to settle everything. Exactly. Or I'm going to just condemn you. And I think that sometimes is the fall position for parents. Uh, this this listening thing, I mean, we're going to have to ask God to make us more able to open our hearts and listen to the world from the perspective of our son and daughter. That's right. And if you could, like, if you're that niece or nephew or friend or 
kid, if they can look at you after these holidays, look at you and think, they listened to me. They listened to me. You know, that speaks so much more than a parent or grandparent that just says, this is the truth and you better follow it. So we talk about prayer. We talk about being open to listening. What else can we do? Being attentive to the spirit. And that's the, that's the biggest thing. And I, I believe that if you're in prayer already, then you're already setting yourself up for success in being attentive to the Spirit. You know, you don't know where exactly that young adult is. You just don't. Only the Spirit does. And when you're listening to them in their stories, there could be a moment where you feel that, that uh, push of the Spirit to say, this is where you can speak the gospel or not. You know, if you're staying attentive and if you're doing it for the love of them and you're doing it in prayer, that unceasing prayer, then you'll know. So that word that sometimes gets spoken at a Holy Spirit moment, yeah, um, it's, it's really phenomenal. Sometimes the Spirit will open a door where a single word That's right. will have such a huge impact on the life of someone. That's right. But I know we can't manufacture that. That has to come from on high. It does. That's a good sense, too. So anything else that you can share with us regarding this? I would say that in, in everything, trust God. Trust him in this season because you might be you might be heading towards this time of meeting up with that relative or friend, um, preparing to say something that zinger to really get them. Trust God. Pray. Listen. Stay attentive. Don't worry or get anxious about. I have to get the opportunity to to save them, bring them home. Trust God. He's fully in control. And I mean, we live in this amazing reality of these two truths, the truth that, yes, we do need to preach the gospel. We do need to pray for the lost. We need to do those things God calls us to. We need to faithfully obey. At the same time, God is fully in control and he's sovereign. And every single step that we take is being established by him. It's this amazing reality that we do live in. So I, I, would, I would say that this Christmas, um, you know, when you uh, sit down with your family around the table, around for Christmas dinner or what have you, and you see uh, that young adult, that kid, that grandkid or friend that doesn't seem to be walking in their faith, prepare yourself today. Today's the day you start to prepare yourself in prayer, constant prayer. You start preparing yourself to listen well, to prepare uh, yourself to know their culture that they're in. Prepare yourself by being attentive to the Spirit and trust in God. I want to affirm everything that you said because I think there's just such wisdom in what we've been talking about. There is a danger, however, that parents themselves have deeply drunk the culture of the day. And the culture of the day is, to me, subjectivism in which one perspective is as good as the other. Right. So sometimes in a vain attempt uh, to think that everything is really okay— uh, you can have parents, they'll say, you know what, I mean, maybe everything is just going to be fine if, you know, if my, my son or my daughter just, you know, finds their own way, whatever that way is, you know, the idea that really in the end all roads lead to Rome. And um, we don't want to overly alarm parents, but what's at stake here? I mean, would you agree with me that what is at stake here is the eternal condition of the soul of your son or your daughter? It's true. And adolescence, specifically the first decade of adulthood, has massive implications on the eternal life of your son or daughter. So that's what we're fighting for. That's what we are fighting for. And in essence, anyone who's a parent, you've been fighting for that since the day your son or daughter was conceived. That's right. So uh, one would pray that You didn't start praying when your daughter came home from university and say, you know what, I've been questioning some of the things I've been taught in church. 
I hope that's not when we started praying. I hope we started praying when when you found out, wow, I think um, we've conceived a baby. That's right. <laughs> and my and my job now as a mom or a dad is to pray without ceasing for that child. That's right. And that just continues on and on and on. Well, let's talk, if we can, just a bit, because we've also talked about kids before they leave for you know university. So you've got your teenage son or daughter at home. Um, you know, are there are certain conversations that I need to have? Are they the principal conversations about uh, the depth of Christian faith or maybe about lifestyle? I mean, obviously, in today's world, uh, sexual issues always stand at the forefront. Um, are there certain things that you can say to parents who have teenage kids? Are there ways that they can prepare them now? Yes, there are, there are many things that parents can do. The moment you look on your teenager's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, you can see that they are engaging in issues that are very broad and, uh, and deep as well, things like politics and apologetics and all these different things. So I think the best thing that a parent can do is to not feel like they sort of know what their kid is experiencing and doing. And they can actually uh, kind of go in there and see, okay, I need to talk to my kid and my child, my teenager about apologetics. And let's start getting into the meaning of life. Is there life after death? Start getting into those things and provide them resources um, that will help them in their in their understanding. Yeah. And even if a parent doesn't know those resources, you can always call, let's say, your, your youth pastor or That's your right. pastor. Uh, some of your local church or perhaps someone else who may have access to these resources. You know, Isaac, as I'm thinking about what we're talking about, I think one of the things that we must not short sell for our children is a depth in the faith. Please, moms and dads and churches as well, let's do everything that we can to help kids to understand the depth of our faith, the intellectual basis for our faith, the content of our faith. Let's deal with some of the questions that perhaps we're uncomfortable addressing. You know, why do we want the kind of asexual morality that we do? What's the argument behind it? All of those things, I want to argue, should be talked about openly long before the university experience. Totally. You have to. You have to. And just a finishing thought as well. It's important to know that, yes, there are sad statistics showing young people leaving the church and leaving their faith. But at the same time, there are young adults who are passionate about their faith. Amen. They are so passionate about their faith, and they are are just as passionate as the parents and grandparents of their friends who aren't following Jesus to know the Lord. They're just as passionate to bring in that depth of Christianity. Isaac, what a joy it is to have this Christmas conversation with you, and uh, and I'm so thankful for the kind of ministry that you're doing. And, you know, if there are those who are listening who want to say, you know, how do I access what you're doing? So how do they get access to that? You can access it just by going online to indoubt, I-N-D-O-U-B-T dot C-A, or on any major social network. Yeah, thank you so much. Isaac, have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you. You too. We hope you had an opportunity to listen to Dr. Neufeld's in-depth five-week series entitled, He Made Me Human. This great series focuses on teaching an important book that lies at the foundation of our faith, the book of Genesis. Covering chapters 1 to 11, we look at a number of critical themes including creation, the purpose of work, the fall, what it means to be human, judgment day, and much more. There is so much rich teaching in the book of Genesis that provides answers to so many important questions, questions that are complex, questions about ourselves and the world. 
As Christians, it's important that we understand these timeless truths and that we're able to speak about them with others. If you want to listen and re-listen to this series, be sure to order your copy of He Made Me Human on CD today. This five-week series is available for only $35 and includes shipping and handling. Just call us at 1-800-663-2425. That's 1-800-663-2425. Or visit us at backtothebible.ca.